Welcome to the Quiet Rebel Bureau podcast. I'm Lynn Thurman. And I'm Paul Thurman. And today we're really excited to have with us author Kim Sell. Welcome, Kim. Hello. Thank you very much, Lynn and Paul, for having me along today. Appreciate it. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. So you've had quite an exciting year so far, haven't you, really? There's been lots going on. There has been lots going on. Um, with with um, the help of the Quiet Rebel Bureau, I managed to finally, finally get my book out on Kindle and into print. And it took me a good nine months to get to that point. <laughs> So, yeah, so now the book is out. I'm out doing um, speaking events and, you know, any opportunities to to uh, go along to events that deal with the midlife side of things. Um, Then that's where I'm at. Fantastic. And can you tell us just a little bit about the book? Yes, um, it it started out as um, it was going to be around stress and anxiety because I've done that really well through my life. as I'm sure a lot of people can identify with. And um, I spoke with um, a guy who was then helping me with the book. And he said, oh, everybody's doing that. Can we not put something else around it? And as we talked, I explained that a vast number of my clients were over 40s. And he said, okay, midlife then. Well, okay. So it became midlife is not a crisis because the aim is to help clients realize that they can take control of themselves. It's actually a wake-up call. Mm. So your book is called Midlife is Not a Crisis. So for everybody who wants to go and find that on Amazon or in print. (laughs) (laughs) So what inspired you to become a writer? Well, I've always loved stories from a very young age. I um, was a big fan of um, Star Trek when I was very small. Yay! And do you know the really interesting thing, just as a quick aside, is and, and I think this is probably why I liked it, is that everybody in, in Star Trek, in the actual um, Enterprise, were not supposed to fight with each other unless, uh, you know, affected by aliens or whatever. The idea was they would always be fighting aliens. And I thought, hmm. And the idea was that the human race had no need to fight anymore. They all, you know, um, dwelled in happiness and whatever. So um, I think that's probably why I was drawn to it. But um, I think story-wise, I've always loved stories. The, the good old-fashioned um, uh, Gobolino, the witch's cat, 101 Dalmatians, Lion, the witch and the wardrobe. So anything with magic. Yeah. <laughs> So from a very young age, very interested in magic. And I suspect all the alternative stuff even back then. So, um, but it was only um, when I went to an event in 2016 that um, it became something that was potentially possible as opposed to, you know, one of those little pipe dreams. You st- oh, I, I'd love to write a book and then you don't do anything. So it came about in 2016 eventually. That's really good. What was the event now? gave you that push um it was um, a success resources an event in the september and i'd picked out the speakers i wanted to go and see primarily tony robbins if you've heard of him yep. he's yep. an american you know inspirational person and i've been following him for a long time and my friend said well come along he's on for the weekend he wasn't he was on for saturday afternoon <laughs> but in that afternoon it was very very good and the next day, there was a couple of um, inspirational speakers, which was great. And my friend said to me, oh, look, there's one here for book writing. I'm sure you'd love to do that. And I completely missed it, ignored it. And I thought, oh, what's to lose? I'll go. 
And this guy stood on stage and talked about writing a book for your business. Um, so it's like a marketing tool. Mm. Um, but where I was coming from was actually it's a good opportunity just to write a book. Um, so I used my hypnotherapy practice um, to, to take that and write the book that they suggested. And they take you through a process. Um, the, the publisher then was called Black Card Books, the Canadian. Um, but it, we, we, didn't, we didn't end up going all the way, which is why I ended up coming to you, because <laughs> they, they asked vast sums of money and I run out. <laughs> so I couldn't pay anymore. And I was disconnected from the, um, the, the, the collective. <laughs> another star trek reference <laughs> so um yes it, so it was a really good event and you know i always it, particularly if they're free events like this was i love going along to those because you, you pick up some real gems you just have to avoid the marketing sales speak that goes on afterwards absolutely mm. from your book that's that started out then in its very very infancy as a book to market your business or that was the idea of the event it's turned out to be something so much more because you know i've read it your book and it's full of wisdom it's really and i know it is also for your business but anyone can pick up that book and gain something from it thank you lynn and that is the intention um because i i think uh, this has been a path that i've always been on um to be of service of some sort and I wanted a book that was valuable for people that they could you know dip in and out of it's not a read it once put it on the bookshelf it's a dip in and out and find what you need to learn so it's it's become a bit of a I'm not sure of the right terminology here but it's it's become a sort of um springboard if you want for me reaching more people out there um with regards to the fact that there's so much more than they realise that they've got a potential within them that just needs to be opened up. But our our whole journey through life to the present moment has been um, programmed and trained and taught. And so it's not necessarily us per se. It could be our parents, the teachers, society, religion, all telling us how we're supposed to be. And I, I just want people to realise there's so much more in there. Um, and I've been on my own journey and still am. And, you know, eventually I want to bring more of the alternative in, but I just don't know how to do that just yet. So this is the starting point. Ne next book. <laughs> <laughs> it, it's interesting about those business books though, because I've read a couple, probably more than a couple, and it seems so promising to begin with and you begin reading it. And at the end of the book, you've realised that they've actually given you pretty much nothing but a sales pitch all the way through. <laughs> yeah. yeah good point oh well i hope there's no the, the sales pitch was on, on one page and that was it and it wasn't really a sales pitch oh I'm, I'm not comparing those to your book at all but i mean writing for business is a wonderful thing like you're saying it's a springboard but some people really do take it to the extremes and think of it you know not being a they don't give with their product <laughs> it drives no. me mad <laughs> I, I'm with you completely on that. And fortunately, I've, been, I've had some very good people around me um, over the last 10, 20 years. And um, I've learned a new way of being. Um, if you'd spoken to me, perhaps in my 30s, my early 30s, it would have been a different Kim you spoke to than the one that's here today. Um, I'm much more considerate and thoughtful and mindful. 
and I'm more likely to just give and care. So I'm glad to hear that. Um, if, if you thought it was um, uh, useful all the way through, that's even better. Do you think that getting to that point where you are more mindful and more considerate and kinder is a byproduct of reaching that midlife stage? Yes. Yes, <laughs> <laughs> and I've done a few because I'm a slow learner oh my word so I didn't learn the first time second time third time I began to wake up but I've had a few since as well so um because I, I, I tend to wander off um uh, off the path and do something else and it's all they have to rein me back in if you like <laughs> um so I think my first one was in at the big one was in my mid-30s um when my world just came crumbling around and and actually, um, what I did then was really start looking out, outwardly for things to help me. But I, I, wanted, um, I wanted something to help emotionally. And emotions is where I, I work mostly um, because I think they, they are the things that keep us heavy and, you know, um, in, in a lower vibration than we should be. So um, I, I, there was very little there, very little there. And... I think I just decided to go off and train because doing courses was one way of, of at least learning about myself and what I could do about it. And it's exactly done that. So I think that midlife crisis of mine at 36 yeah, it was a, ended, ended um, uh, uh, a cycle of doing nothing and living with something that was, wasn't working for me and start to realize actually I can take control and when things aren't working, it's not great, it's not good, but you can do something about it. And I've learned that through all the courses I've done, um, sort of NLP, counselling, coaching. Hypnotherapy was the biggest one, but I did a spiritual practitioner as well, which was very good. So lots of different training, which helped me get to understand who I was more. But I wouldn't want people to take as long as I have to get to where I am. <laughs> so the aim is to do it much faster. <laughs> Lesson. And as you work with people, it's, it's very life changing. Um, and it, it's not really easy sometimes to take some of those steps. So what do you expect from people when they first come to you? What are you looking for for you to take them on and mentor and work with them? Thank you for that. So a, a willingness and a desire to do something, Paul. I've, I've seen clients who've come to me because somebody's told them to, and hmm. you never get results then. So, you know, mixed bag of people. Um, so somebody whose partner says they need work, somebody else whose, you know, parents sent them. They, they're just not brought into the process. So that's the first thing, a desire and willingness to do whatever it takes to, to get there. Um, I think the second thing is um, a recognition that they've got to a point where they're ready for the change as well. Um, they could come with a, a desire and a willingness, but they're not quite ready. And that shows up in many different forms, but as a, an, over, an umbrella term of resistance. And I, I get that because I do that really well. <laughs> I recognize <laughs> resistance. We've done it in many different forms. And when they're resisting, it means they're not quite ready or they're trying to protect themselves from something mm -hmm. that was too painful in their past. And that's my job, not theirs. My job to deal with the resistance, my job to help them through it. It's, it's sometimes I succeed, sometimes they just don't come anymore. But you know, that's I've taken them as far as I can. But yeah, it is my work, my role to do something with that. Okay. 
And can you explain a little bit um, how one of your sessions kind of plays out? Because I know a lot of times when people go in for, for a therapy or a mentorship, there's a little bit of fear there. They don't know what to expect. Yeah, no, and, and, and I absolutely get that. Um, I, I went, my first therapy session was with a counsellor, amazing lady. I wish I knew her name now, but it was so long ago. <laughs> and within six sessions, she'd managed, me, managed to help me identify that I was an actual individual. I was not um, my, my husband's other half or whatever. And so she had some very powerful ways of going through for me, I think the first session is all about the client talking about where they are, what's going on for them. Um, I ask lots of questions so that um, they can have the opportunity to speak about what's going on. And what I'm looking for throughout that session, which is usually 90 minutes to, you know, maybe two hours if, if, if it's a big subject, something big has come up because I don't want to send them back off into the world if if they've got something that they need to at least come to peace with in that session. Mm -hmm. um, so I'm looking for patterns, emotional patterns, thinking patterns, behavioral patterns, or experience patterns. Um, and I'm looking for those and I'm searching for where they may have started. Um, and then I'm also looking, once I've got those patterns, what it is that they believe about themselves that has led to that point. Um, I don't always get those straight away because there's a risk, there's a there's a trust thing that has to be built up, but most people are quite willing to part with it once they've started talking, which is brilliant news for me. <laughs> and then I usually end up with a nice relaxation something um, that just gets them to close their eyes and I get them to relax. And um, if they were willing, I would then start setting. Uh, their unconscious mind to understand what it is they do want because that's so important so the first session is very important and we cover a lot of ground the second and third sessions tend to be clearing the stuff that's come up so um, the emotional content around previous events so it doesn't matter what it is anger sadness fear guilt jealousy they're the top header ones but there'll be a whole raft of things under that mm. clear the emotions and clear the beliefs or the decisions that they took at uh, some point in the past and then um the aim is to replace them with something more positive so um we we call it in my world future pacing so i will take them out into the future when they've let go of this problem and get them to imagine what life is like and get them to really feel that um, and experience it so that they've started to realize how much different they can feel. Depending on what else there is going on, the last one would be about building on that positivity, that future pacing, that um, where do they want to go. Um, normally, if, there's, if it's one or two beliefs, I can do that in four sessions. Wow, that's quite quick. <laughs> So people don't have to hold on to the things that are stopping them living, you know, to their fullest potential or their best life. You know, you don't have to go to therapy for years on end. You can go to Kim and she'll sort you out quick. <laughs> <laughs> I can sort, sort out some of it. I think, I think the interesting thing is that um, I say four sessions and I can do one or two limiting beliefs, but people have invariably got lots of them. Mm. Or... If they, they are, we are encountering resistance, it can take longer. Yeah. But, you know, uh, uh, that doesn't mean that you can't shift stuff. You can. 
and it can be very very powerful but if it's bigger you know some people will come to see me for seven eight maybe nine sessions to get things gone that's still in the whole scheme of things you know in the in someone's whole lifetime that is a really small amount of time at least one hope it is, it is. <laughs> It is, isn't it? It's amazing. <laughs> but you know, I, 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 um, I haven't yet got to a point where I can um, say specifically, um, you know, the, the the real benefits. But I, I think one of the things um, that I have I have identified for myself is that I am so much happier. I'm at peace with myself taking the same journey that I'm offering my clients, but instead of taking years, I'm doing it in you know well if it's four sessions it's it's six hours isn't it um and if it's longer than that then you know i don't know is that 15 12 hours i don't know depends on how many they have it's 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 really such a a small investment of time to make such a difference in your world why wouldn't you i think i think it should all just be on 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 the nhs <laughs> yeah i agree <laughs> so. well, you mentioned in your first session you ask people what they want do you think it's kind of like an epidemic these days that people really have no idea what they want from life it's a very good question lynn um i think they don't you're right is it is it typical of now i think there's so much choice that's the problem there's so much choice these days and um, we're bombarded all the time about more money, you know, bigger house, uh, better job or whatever. But people feel that that's, that's the options that they should be aiming for, but it doesn't really satisfy their soul. What they may be looking for is more connection, more love, more, um, you know, um, more purposeful ways of living. But of course, they don't know that until they start exploring because they've been hidden underneath all this um programming that they've had from a very young age you know certainly the younger generation coming through some of them are very wise and they're a bit scarily wise i hear my own daughter <laughs> talk to me and i think wow that's i would never have thought of that at your age but they're not so bought into the money thing as much as perhaps my generation were and they the, the progressing on so i th i think i think there is a, a, a problem with people knowing what they want but I think it's because they've just been told what they want and they haven't really dug deep to understand what do they want? What do they really want? I know when I was younger, I was in my 20s and I was living the life that I thought I wanted because it was the life, you know, the, the mortgage, the kids, the good job, good salary. And yet there was something underneath that I was really miserable and depressed. Yeah. And... Um, I think that we might mask our soul's calling or our soul's desire with social media, the drive to get more money, the, you know, the drive to get the bigger house. But I think if we stop and listen, we know that something is intrinsically wrong within ourselves. Um, I, mm, I think you're right. And I think um, it's changing slowly. But I think to speak up also carries risks with it, doesn't it? You know, it does. <laughs> yeah. And I've been there. You know, people think within the family, they, they, I can see them tolerating me or ignoring me, whichever happens to work. Um, when I talk about the stuff that I talk about now, I'm less worried about it. But when it first started to occur, 
never said anything and certainly not at work I worked in the telecoms industry good god you talked about anything you know <laughs> even the word soul and they just look at you you know okay. yeah. <laughs> so uh you know it's, it's 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 gradually coming out but i think you're right it's just masked by society it's just not a welcome thing necessarily but more and more people are are beginning to explore express an interest um mm. Or literally just make the transition and interestingly I do find the IT telecoms industry is one of the biggest feeders of those in the spiritual soul world yeah. <laughs> so, my background's IT <laughs> there you go that's <laughs> <Enough> it <laughs> brilliant isn't it and, and I'm seeing I'm seeing a couple of people who are working in um you know they're, they're directors of their own companies and whatever and they haven't said out outwardly, but you can just you can just hear the way they're talking, that they've lost themselves somewhere in all this, and they're just not sure what they're doing. So, yeah, definitely, I agree with you. So, do you think that there's a need for more people to step forward and say, you know, in some ways, I can help you, I can be your sole midwife to birth you into a new, deeper existence while still living in this modern, chaotic world? I do. You do. And I think um, I'm not, I've not done it yet. I talk about it loosely or, or as throwaway comments, but um, I'm doing a soul plan um, practitioner course in a few weeks time, which I'm very excited about. Um, and I'm going to be, I'm going to be putting that out there more. And I, I do believe that I'm one of those people who've been hiding the light um, and not bringing it out. But I do feel that even though I'm, I haven't, even as I'm working with clients, they are benefiting from what I'm doing because of the way I set up the room, the way I prepare myself, the work that I do on myself. Because the clearer I am, the easier it is for them to move forward. They've been given permission to let go of the stuff they've been holding on. So. Although I've not been doing it outwardly yet, when I do, um, then that's a good thing. But even if you're not ready to be out there talking about all this, I think if you um, do things with a loving intent, a good intent, um, I think you're already beginning to start to help others step out and up. Yeah. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Absolutely. It's funny, Paul and I were talking yesterday saying that the biggest act of rebellion you can do is to actually be kind. That if you want to help the world, that's all you need to do is start with kindness. And I think that's what you were describing. Yeah, it, it, it is. I, I mean, I'm using the word intent because um, it's the, my, my word of the moment, really. Um, <laughs> Uh, because that you know it, it just allows you to be human you know you're going to fall off the wagon I mean I got I, I, I still get irritated aggravated or frustrated um, but you know it's about the intention at the start of the day that I'm, I'm intent, you know I'm intending to be kind or I'm intending to do mm. things with love but I'm human and until I've addressed those things that are causing me the problem um, it's going to leak out from time to time so Absolutely. it's yeah I, I agree with you. Kindness, loving kindness. In fact, I did a, a meditation years ago with a um, Buddhist monk down in Winchester. He's not there now anymore, disappointingly, but um, he, had, he did a meditation called loving kindness. 
And do you know, it's a brilliant meditation to use, particularly if you've got somebody challenging in your life. And uh, I do, I, I'm using myself for me because I'm challenging me. So the, the, the person you have a problem, the idea is you, you meditate, uh, sending loving kindness to yourself, loving kindness um, to somebody um, that you know in your environment that you, you love in a, in a friendly way, somebody you, you sort of know, but don't really know. And then there's somebody you have a problem with. Um, and for me, it's me. Um, and then you have <laughs> just bizarre. <laughs> but yes, I still cause me problems. I'm still working on it. Um, and um, then, then the idea is you give loving kindness to the world. And I just think that's the most beautiful meditation that somebody can do. I must record it one day, but he did, he did it really well because you were just doing it in your head and he'd just ring a bell every so often for you to move on to the next person mm -hmm. you were giving loving kindness to. You need to find him somewhere. <laughs> that's really good. And I, I really like the fact that you take the responsibility to start with yourself because really that's the truth. How can you make that connection and expand if, if you're not taking responsibility for yourself? So that's really nice. Thank you, Paul. And I learned that years and years and years ago in counselling when they said you, you, you need to be prepared for all situations. And if you've not faced it, you've got to make sure you've got nothing that's going to cause you any problem. Because the last thing you want is a client, who, client who's sharing something with you in counselling that could be quite horrific. And you pull in a face and, you know, or breaking down. <laughs> you know, it's, I don't want to be doing that. So I took that to heart. I did recognise I needed to work on some of my own stuff. <laughs> I saw clients, God love them. <laughs> yeah. And what else is on the horizon for you? Will there be a book number two? Oh, yes. And interestingly, I need to have a chat with you guys about it because um, <laughs> you were really good in helping me in my um, hour of need of getting this flipping book out at the time because I was just ready to throw it um, and getting it printed and on all that. And you, you're marvellous. Um, so there is, there is a few books that are running around my head. Um, so at the moment, I don't know exactly what they will be. They will either be um, a side arm to midlife is not a crisis. So one of the things that I was thinking about, and I, I need to do some research on, is, is the guy's perspective on midlife um, specifically, because I've, I've heard some interesting things from some guys uh, and some women who just assume there is a certain way that they behave. I'm not sure that's entirely true, but we'll look at that. <laughs> um, and then there's the one where it's the partner who's left behind during a midlife crisis that they're watching this whirlwind happen. And they're just like, what? Where did that come from? Mm. Um, well, that's another one. Um, alternatively, maybe just something completely different. But <laughs> well, I don't know. They're, they're all there and they may all just come come eventually, but it's just which one will will. I guess, filter through from uh, the murky uh, internal workings of my head. And come out. But I, I was gonna, I, I do need to talk to you about it, Lynn, because I, I will need some help as well. Um, you're invaluable support on that, I'm sure. <laughs> both of those ideas are absolutely fantastic, though. They would both make so. books. Yeah. 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 I think midlife is quite obvious for women in some ways because we go through the menopause and the men have their stereotypical going out to buy Mercedes and... <laughs> wearing the bling. Yeah, wearing the <laughs> bling. But, <laughs> but I don't think it really happens like that in many men. 
Well, and I, I, it is a stereotypical approach, isn't it? So that's why I thought I'd, I'd, I'd do some more investigating because actually there, there's um, a, a study that shows that there are more men committing suicide in their early 40s. Really? Uh, what's that about? And then, you know, other men who, who are, um, you know, they're, they're just grinding themselves into the ground in some way because they're, they're expected to provide and work and whatever because they've been brought up. That's, that's how guys are. But actually, is it? Are they any different to women in, in terms of wanting a purpose in life and wanting to get more fun from life and more happiness and love? No, I don't think so it's an area to investigate. I, I, men are coming up quite loudly for me in terms of the midlife side. So um, I, shall, I shall need to pull together something and, and interview them and see if there is actually a book there somehow or not. Mm, that sounds like a really good thing. It really think. does. Yeah. So if there are any guys listening to this and they would be interested in having a conversation, happy to set that up because I, 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 I obviously am not a guy. Um, <laughs> and I'll, I, I have spoken to a couple um, and yeah, their, their, their midlife experience has been very much not stereotypical. So it shows up in different ways. So it's just understanding how they cope, what they do, how it's come about. Yeah, we shall be watching you eagerly, Kim. Definitely. Oh, thank you so much. <laughs> and before we leave, where can people find you? Um, so my webpage is www.kimsearle.co.uk and Searle is S-E-A-R-L-E. Um, and my email address is just kim at kimsearle.co.uk so they can get in touch. And it would be lovely for people who've got any questions if they want to get in touch. Happy to answer any questions. That would be lovely. It's fantastic, Kim. It has been a real pleasure talking to you. And I'm sure we'll catch up again really soon. Yes, thank you so yeah. much. Um, yes, thank you, guys. I really appreciate it. <laughs> thank you. And thank you to everybody who has listened to our podcast. And don't forget to check out Kim because there's going to be amazing stuff coming from her now and in the future. Until Bye. next time. <laughs> Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Thank you to the listeners. Thank you. <laughs>